Welcome to Health Talks Now, bringing you the facts you need to keep you and your family well. We're happy you're tuning in today. Baptist Health is committed to providing compassionate, high-quality care that is centered on you. Listen to all of our podcasts to hear from Baptist Health physicians about the latest medical advancements and treatments. And get trusted information on timely health topics from our healthcare professionals. Whether you want to learn more about a specific condition or procedure or find tips for living a healthy lifestyle, Baptist Health is here to help you become a healthier you. It's been quite a week and we have a lot to catch up on from the last time we spoke. Let's jump right in. We're back with Baptist Health System Chief Executive Officer Gerard Coleman for this second episode in this series. All non-urgent and non-emergent healthcare services, diagnostic radiology and laboratory services in both Kentucky and Indiana were allowed to resume in hospital outpatient settings, clinics, medical offices, and physical therapy settings as phase one of reopening as of April 27th. What does this mean for our patients? It means that people can finally get back to the very necessary and needed medical care that they've been delaying for some period of time. So um, as you know, when they announced that it was a national emergency and most states shut down ambulatory visits to physicians and uh, what we call uh, ambulatory care or elective procedures is really a code word for necessary procedures, but they just happen to be scheduled. And uh, when that was all delayed, people that had chronic conditions that we've talked about before put off much needed care. And, you know, the longer those people go untreated for certain conditions, the worse the condition becomes. So we're very, very glad to be able to start providing health care back to the community that we serve and have been serving for so many years. But top of mind, of course, is the safety of our caregivers and of those patients as they come in to the healthcare setting after being away for some time and reassuring the public uh, that those safety needs are met at each and every part of their patient care journey. Okay. Can you address how we're managing safety and what's required for testing? Sure. Uh, I'd love to. You know, foundationally, we have to ensure that the the patients are as safe as our staff and that, um, you know, it's a bi-directional situation where we work together for the good of each other and the community. So to do that, uh, we continue to monitor closely the use of our supplies because we have to make sure that that personal protective equipment, or we call PPE, uh, that there's enough of that for our care providers and for our patients as they arrive in our facilities. So monitoring of those PPE parts of the equipment, which include N95 masks, which everybody now understands what those are, mm-hmm. you know, that that's really an important part of ensuring the safety. We're also going to continue with the visitor restrictions that you've heard about. So we imposed those relatively early on after we shut down those ambulatory visits within our hospitals. And those visitation restrictions, you know, they really put a limit on the number of people in the facility and really reduce the risk of infection to both care providers and to our patients. So the visitation restrictions will remain in place. They'll be softened a little bit with regard to patients under the age of 18 or patients needing additional assistance from from a personal care provider or family member. But by and large, we're going to be keeping the restrictive visitation policies in place. And that's really for the safety of the caregivers, the patients, and the communities in which we serve, because we have an obligation to really reduce that spread 
of this disease. We will maintain physical distancing as most companies, as you heard the governors opening up some businesses on May 11th, we'll be adhering to those guidelines plus in our medical office buildings, in our administrative buildings, we'll be practicing good social distancing, we'll be having uh, good isolation in waiting rooms, and we'll be treating COVID patients or patients with respiratory illnesses uh, very much isolated from the general patient population to make sure they're providing the outstanding care that every patient needs while at the same time reducing the risk uh, of spreading the disease. So the waiting areas and the offices will all be handled in uh, that same way and a lot of regard towards uh, social distancing and, of course, the high cleaning of antiseptics of all surfaces and spaces that we have within the health system. So we're also screening employees and our patients by doing the COVID screenings, uh, making that much more readily available as a national uh, testing becomes more nationally available to us. We have ordered more tests and we'll be providing more COVID testing throughout the patient care journey and also to our caregivers themselves. Okay. What are some of the operational obstacles that you foresee during this first phase that we're going to have to overcome to make all of these things a reality? During this initial phase, uh, we'll be resuming some of our outpatient and that includes radiology and laboratory medicine. We're really going to have to have a mindful eye of those policies around patient flow, uh, around our caregivers and how they return to work. So the operational challenges in phase one are, are going to be a challenge to overcome, to say the least, but we are well suited as a health system to take those challenges on. Uh, we, we actually instituting the policies that we talked about uh, for the ambulatory and laboratory visits, but then next week we're going to start our outpatient surgeries, and that is going to allow us to get uh, some much critical need to patients that have been putting off that medical care for quite some time, and we're going to be doing that by making sure we have enough PPE on hand, making sure that we have enough for our caregivers and for our uh, patients. And during the third phase, uh, which is going to be around mid-May, we're going to be resuming inpatient operations, which is going to allow us to bring up about 50% of our pre-COVID inpatient surgical procedure volume. And that to us is going to allow us the opportunity to not only monitor our PPE, but also monitor the amount of beds we need to keep in reserve just in case we have a reinfection. And I think that's what everyone is watching closely on the national stage is what is the reinfection uh, going to look like if there is in fact one and how do we handle that as a, as a clinical community and as a community at large. So that final phase of when we'll be back at full volume normal operations and start calling back some of these furloughed staff members, when do you think that will be? So we're going to start bringing back some of the staff uh, almost immediately. Some have already been called back this week. We're delighted about that to bring our caregivers home. And as we ramp up our activities, we'll be ramping up our reemployment of our furloughed employees. And as the volume returns, the furlough will lift. And we have to be mindful that we are able to uh, adhere to the restrictions of social distancing and spacing. And as you know, it's going to require a different way of operating. So if we're as a physician's office was very, very busy with a, with a large waiting room with many patients, we're going to have to possibly extend hours. So there's very, there's uh, a much reduced number of people in the waiting room 
reduced number of staff in the back area where the physician generally practices. Same thing in our hospitals and in our administrative areas, as you can understand. And, you know, we're working very hard on policies and procedures and processes to address all those things because we do have a a duty and an obligation to not only make sure our patients are very safe in the healthcare environment, but our employees are very safe in, in the environment in which they work. So there's lots of lots of things we're doing to address that. But to go to the point of your question is, what does that capacity look like when we're fully back to normal? So that means we'll be, for a period of time, reserving 30% of our total inpatient bed capacity for COVID patients just in case there's a reinfection, just to ensure that the, we're through the infection and that we can go back to what would be the, the post-COVID operations. So 30% of our beds and capacity uh, in reserve for, for some period of time. In addition to that, we're mandating that we have at least two weeks, so there were 14 days of PPE on hand, not on order, not in the supply chain somewhere, but actually on hand hmm. to treat patients for full operations that would include COVID. So we're taking many, many steps to ensure the safety and to make sure that we have the equipment on hand to handle an event like this if it were to happen in the future. That makes total sense. We've heard you a few times talk about community partners, and we know that this has impacted us nationwide. It's been an effort on every front that's taken a lot of teamwork and collaboration. Can you speak about the bigger picture of healthcare in our communities and Baptist Health's involvement in collaborating with those community partners? Absolutely. You know, I think um, it, the strength of the community is is just bolstered by the strength of the relationships within the community that we have. And Baptist Health has strong relationships with our clinical peers. And in Louisville, for instance, we work very closely with Norton Healthcare and UofL and with the mayor's office on making sure that we had a a plan, a well thought out plan to deal with COVID if the pandemic got to uh, got to levels that we had to absolutely activate the new field hospital that was constructed here in Louisville with several hundred beds. So that cannot be achieved unless all of the health systems are working collaboratively together to make sure that the community in which they all serve is well. The other place we work very closely was in uh, in Lexington. We have absolutely Baptist Health Lexington, as you're aware, and we work very closely with St. Joe's, which is a CHI health system hospital, as well as UK hospital, to make sure that we had a plan of action there to activate their field hospital, which was a 400-bed facility, uh, and that was to be activated in case the, the pandemic levels got to a point where we were required to open that facility and work collaboratively on staffing that facility and and uh, working together on patient placement. So a lot of collaboration with our clinical peers, and that's not just the two places. Baptist Health Paducah works very closely mm-hmm. with um, Lord's Hospital in Paducah, Kentucky. We have the same thing in Corbin, Kentucky with St. Joe's uh, that in New London. So lots of collaboration between the health systems together for the good of the community. Okay. We'd like to discuss expanded testing as well as antibody testing in our communities. What can you share with us? There's lots of movement in that space. Testing, as you know, as long with ventilators, were early on a big problem in the pandemic. Now, we've been able to ramp up the construction of ventilators, which was tremendous. And a lot of great companies worked on that and really helped mitigate the ventilator problem that we had and problem meaning not enough ventilators for the pandemic levels that we were all facing. So lots of good work in that space. 
on the testing space, a little bit of a different story. There was not enough testing capacity. There was not enough ability to acquire the testing kits. The swabs that are required to obtain the specimen for testing are very difficult to come by. So the testing capability has been slow and a bit challenging. And depending on the day of the week that you took the test and what lab you had or what hospital you went to, a turnaround result at best case scenario could be 12 hours, worst case scenario, seven days. So as you can see, there's tremendous variation. And by the virtue of the way the test is conducted, just because you have a negative test result doesn't mean that you're negative you know, for days in the future, it just means at that point in time that that test was taken, you were negative. Sure. So if you took a test on a Monday and it took four days to get the result back and now it's Friday, you could have actually come in contact with COVID and become a positive patient in the four days it took for they get the result back. So now you're under the impression that you've got a negative result and therefore you're fine and you're you're not showing symptoms and you could actually inadvertently be spreading COVID hmm. and most likely would be if you have this sense of um, this security that you have a negative test. Sure. So testing uh, is now being improved tremendously. The turnaround times have gotten much better. We've got a lot more access to test at Baptist Health. We have LabCorp as our primary lab, as everyone knows, and we also have contracts with several other laboratories that bring our testing capacity uh, really to bear and being able to execute on a testing strategy for all of our patients as they arrive uh, for those conditions that require pre-admit testing, um, for caregivers that need it if they become exposed. So we're, we're really in great shape on the testing front. Is it enough? No. I'll be perfectly honest that as the economy opens in the state of Kentucky on May 11th, part of the entry to work, all employers have to temperature check all employees upon entry to the workspace, along with checking social distancing and all the things that I've already talked about today. If one of those employees wakes up and feels they have COVID symptoms or they come to work and have a fever and are told to go get tested for COVID, that will put a, a much bigger demand on the testing capability of this of the state so we have to be mindful of that and we're still ramping up and we expect to have even more test kits in the next week to two weeks so we should be well suited for that but i want to put out that there may be a bit of a lag opening up on may 11th for the testing capabilities that companies may want right away but we're working very closely with companies that have already reached out to us in a way, in an opportunity that we can be very helpful to them in testing their employees as they seem to be symptomatic. So we're not wasting tests in a time when we need to preserve some of the tests for those patients that we already have scheduled for procedures and so on. So I know that was a very long-winded answer to your question, but I thought it was a it was a great question. I think it warranted a little bit of a deep dive so that people understood that it's still a challenge for us, though it's easing uh, quite well at this point. Okay. Well, in a, a global scale, it's going to require a lot of testing and understanding whether or not you can contract it again if you have had corona previously. So where are we at with antibody testing? That's a great question. We actually are part study at Baptist Health Louisville with a company that's coordinating between Baptist Health Louisville, Norton Healthcare System, as well as UofL, and a, a few private companies. And we're working on this testing, um, this antibody testing. So we've we've had it now, and we're we're utilizing it for those patients who are who have had COVID in the past and had tested positive to make sure that they do have the antibody. And it's becoming more and more widely available. But as you know, with those types of tests, 
if COVID performs like the flu performs, it changes every year. Just because you get a flu vaccine doesn't mean that vaccine is actually good for the type of flu strain that we have. So we're going to be very mindful about how we deploy those tests and how we interpret those results going forward. It's, 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 a, it's a new day for all of us, and we have to use everything that we can in our arsenal to fight it. But we have to also be mindful that um, some of those things are not they, they may not live up to the expectations that we want them to have sure. when we, as we go forward. Sure. It almost seems as dangerous as when someone received that possible negative test and then got some security from it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's, and it's not lost on me that right now um, there are many, many false negatives. They call it a false positive that come from the regular testing yeah. that we have to be mindful of as well. Sure. Okay. There were some people affected financially by this pandemic, whether it was a reduction in salary, job loss, or change in insurance. What is Baptist Health doing to assist? So we've got extensive programs for the community. If you go on to the baptisthealth.com website or you go on to, to the MyChart account, there's many programs that Baptist Health has for those who have a financial situation or unable to pay their health care bills and get health care in itself. So we have lots of programs. They were in place pre-COVID. We're so proud of those programs because we are a mission-based organization and we want to make sure that we're able to provide uh, care to the communities in which we serve. And sometimes people, like you said, they get furloughed, they have job loss, they have challenges that they're unable to pay bills right now, that they, they need programs to help them and assist them. And Baptist Health is here for them in their time of need. But you're right, Carrie, as this, as this crisis continues to unfold, that we're moving from a clinical crisis to an economic crisis, and that's going to be a challenge for all of us to deal with. And I think everyone knows someone who's been personally affected financially by this, as many of us know somebody has personally been affected by someone who has COVID. So lots lots going on in that space, and Baptist Health is really here to help um, people in their time of need. We'll talk again next week. Thank you for your time this afternoon. Thanks, Carrie. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Health Talks Now. Staying healthy is a lifelong commitment, and Baptist Health can provide the support you need to lower your risks, improve your quality of life, and protect your long-term health. Visit baptisthealth.com to hear our other podcasts, learn about our services, and find more tips to help you stay a step ahead of your health. Baptist Health, be a healthier you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as medical advice. The content in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and medical judgment. Always seek the advice of your physician with any questions or concerns you may have related to your personal health or regarding specific medical conditions. To find a Baptist Health provider, please visit baptisthealth.com.